Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a football Friday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Um, Trent Condon, Ken Miller, we're with you for the next couple of hours as we will uh, spend the good majority of that, if not all of it, discussing the wonderful game of football. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list, Friday's normally busy. Today, no different. We will uh, talk to our friend Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog, The Bears in Tennessee. What do you feel? Good to talk to you, as always, my hey, friend. Are you? My partner. Um is this one of these lines? Like last night's line seemed too easy. Uh, Green Bay yeah, and yeah. Green Bay lived up to that. It just crushed them. Books got clobbered. Uh, they needed to after the betters got <laughs> walloped the week before. Um, how do the Bears compete in? The, I'm not. Te- I'm not tipping my hand as to what I'm doing in my picks. Oh, I think I see. What, okay, what direction you're going there? And I don't know how the Bears are going to win this football game. I, I have no idea either. An offensive line that has absolutely decimated the latest news on Cody Whitehair yeah. and uh, what he's going through with the COVID protocol. It just goes on and on and on. I guess the saving grace is even against awful offenses, Tennessee has really struggled defensively. Mm-hmm. See a figure, all right, Foles and Robinson and their quick passing game and get the ball out even with the bad offensive line. Maybe, just maybe you hang around. And Tennessee is one of those teams that it feels like kind of everybody does hang around against. They That's don't blow teams point. out. No, Denver should have beat them. So six and a half at that number. It's the NFL. Can you see 27-24? Yeah, I, I guess. Well, we'll see. I think it's on my pick, so I don't want to say anymore. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to do something I've never done. Never done. Are you picking a local? No, I'm not doing that. That's a line too. That, that's a that's a bridge too far. I won't. I will not do that. But I will. I'm, I'll talk about it later. Okay. It's something you said earlier in the week. Oh, I got you thinking. Huh? You did get me thinking. It had to do with tiebreakers, and point differential is pretty important in a short uh-huh. season. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think that if there's any year to lay the lumber, yeah, as Lee Sterling would say, you gotta lay it if you want to play it. And there's a couple of teams, one in particular. Well, two of them, anyways. We'll see. We'll talk about that coming up at eleven fifty. I've got some major ground to catch up if I want to get close. You're to still you. only five back. It's is not that like all it's, it is. It's not like it's unprecedented. You're at nineteen and twenty. I'm at twenty four and fifteen. But one bad week, one yeah. four and one for you, one and four. You're right back in this thing. Well, I've had plenty of bad weeks, anyways. So uh, that's coming up at about eleven fifty. Back to the BMW Des Moines guest list. Bottom of the hour. Probably a little bit a tad later than that. Dave Sproul, our friend from KASI, uh, will join the program. By some sad news, uh, Iowa State wise, and of course at KSI, Rich Fellingham yeah. uh, passing away uh, yesterday. Um, Dyer and I interviewed him a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked with Bob at the turn of the century, for crying out loud. Um, but what a gr- distinct, wonderful voice. And wonderful is a word that gets tossed around when people are describing him. Yes. I didn't know him at all. But, I never um, had the opportunity to meet him. I know his daughter well, Abby, and uh, the first time I ever met Abby, she's friends with my sister, and I, I said, well, I hear your dad all the time doing mm-hmm. the Iowa State women's broadcast, and I mentioned, yeah, Richie, right? And she goes, there's one person in the world that's allowed to call him Richie. 
and that is Bill. Yeah. Bill Fenley, the head yeah. coach, of course, of the women's team. He's the only person that that's allowed right? that was allowed to call him Richie, and uh, it, it really cracked me up. But yeah, same thing. Heard nothing but glowing things about him mm-hmm. as a person. What a great ambassador he was to Iowa State. And uh, I was reading the obituary, and they they ask everybody when they go to the cemetery, wear Iowa State gear. Yeah, that, of course, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, I, I watched um, his sign off. I think it was the Big Twelve tournament. Him and Coach Fenley, mm-hmm. uh, they, they they were you know BSing, uh, if you will. And um, it's pretty it was a really good moment. But but uh, Fellingham said. Something and I'm paraphrasing a trivia question: Who was the voice of Iowa State women's basketball before me? This is Fellingham speaking. Mm-hmm. The answer is nobody. Oh, really? They yeah. didn't even broadcast no, the game. The answer is nobody. It was wow. him. He was first, and until last year, uh, he was the only. So remarkable, uh, ter- terrific, terrific run, and um, by all accounts, just a, a true ambassador and a wonderful person. And I know a lot of people uh, will will miss him. Uh, he's spent some time at KSI, but obviously mm-hmm. known as the voice of Iowa State women's basketball. So Dave Sproul will join us at the bottom of the hour, and we will uh, opine on Iowa State and Baylor. Uh, Mitch Holtis is in. Speaking of voices of teams, Mitch Holtis, of course, is the voice of the defending Super Bowl champs. He'll join us at about 10.50. We will preview the Chiefs tilt. Bama Bob, Trent, and I will go around college football at 11.05. I think we should probably go on record since we did with all the other Power 5 conferences. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to linger in the Pac-12. I'm glad it's back. Right. It helps, and we get that... 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 o'clock our yeah, time kickoff right. tomorrow, USC, Arizona State. That's on my list. I don't know if it's going to make the cut for picks, but that one uh going to be intriguing. And USC, they... Slovis is legit, Trent. I is. think they're a major player in the Pac-12. Their I defense really was bad last year at times, but they returned basically everybody. Mm-hmm. We'll see how quickly they can turn that side of the football around. But you're right. Slovis, that dude oh, can sling Oh, my gosh. It. And as long as he doesn't have Hawkeyes draped over him and getting injured like he yeah. did by Epinesa, yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's a guy out there. Two of their best receivers are also back. Mm-hmm. USC's going to score some points they this are. year. Are they going to stop anybody? That's the other question, but going to be a very entertaining team to watch. Well, Trent, the game tomorrow though, with those two teams, I think they're two of the better teams yeah. in the Pac-12. Top quarter. Yeah, I, I think Herm's done a terrific job. Yes. Uh, they're, better anyway, than I thought he could. No, yeah, I was shocked, too. I mean, we both said the same thing. What a, and Bama Bob was on our side as yeah. well. What a, man, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, Tom Caker will be here after Bama Bob. Trent and I go around college football toward the bottom of the 11 o'clock hour. As always, on Friday, we will give four of our listeners an opportunity to win some wonderful barbecue from our friends at Claxons. 31, 31, 8th Street Southwest. And then our picks uh, as we go on record with a five-pack, two NFL, two college, and a best bet from either uh, the pro or the college rank. So that's the program here today. It's a busy program. I I guess we should start with the biggest local story, uh, and that was the news that uh, came out, uh, I believe, in the middle of Murph and Andy's show yesterday. It was right at the end. Was it at the end? Yeah, I got the email right as I was picking up Ella yesterday, which is 3.55, and the email rolled in as I was sitting in the always fun School line picking oh up. Oh my gosh, I remember those. It's got to be worse now. Oh, it's awful. It's 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 awful. They have it set up pretty well at Western Hills. We're we're lucky there, but yeah, it's. I was at Hubble. You get you get there son. at the wrong spot at yes. the wrong time. It's over. Yep, it is over. But uh, as I was sitting there and and see the news, and I was listening to Murph and Andy at the time, and they come on and talk about it. Andy, of course, his uh, kids also in the West Des Moines School District got the same email. 
and it's just that gut punch And he lives feeling. in West Des Moines. For some reason, yeah. I thought he lived in... No, in he lives right up the hill did, from me. Just I did to, not know that. You know, everything run downhill, so he's on uh-huh. top of the hill okay, looking gotcha. down. Yeah, well... Yeah, he's got the estate, sense. and I have the house. Right, well, he's two to four. <laughs> right. You're 10 to noon. <laughs> exactly. But he uh, he read through the email as, as I was kind of looking at it, too, and just that feeling for these oh, kids. I feel awful for uh, Valley finally playing good football. Mm-hmm. You had asked me a couple of times this week before that, can Valley do this? Because you know, mm-hmm. they are playing so much right. better. That offensive line. The thing that I think people maybe missed or forgot coming in the season, the preseason number one, they got four, five, six D1 kids, a couple of transfers, the high-profile Rubley, but also the kid Nelson from California, the cornerback that you know, is trying to get that high-level offer, but he'll play college football somewhere, on and on and on. They still had to replace 22 starters. Yeah. 22 starters. And you think of Valley, boy, you just plug and play, right? Right, right. Not every year. Some years you can plug and play. And you can plug and play with some of these skill position guys, but in any level of football, you have to have line play. And they didn't early on. Not early. And that offensive line, you started to see some improvements against Ankeny and Waukee. They played better. They were able Mm -hmm. to move the football. And then they started rolling. And they were very confident. I talked to Coach Swenson yesterday, probably about 12.45, So I think did it was. he know at the time you spoke with him? He didn't, because we, we broke down the game for the pregame show with CISN. No hints that maybe... He did say, though, we got a few things going on, some illnesses, and I didn't press. We, we were yeah. not recording at the time. Probably could have maybe asked him a little bit more, but... It's high school kids. It is, yeah. and it's it's at that spot where... Do you really press that nah, topic? Not when it's high school. Yeah. I have a good relationship with Gary, but it's also something he wasn't telling me for consumption, right. for me to be breaking news or if anything he, if like he that. Wanted to, if he wanted to yes. let you know, he'd offered it up. He would have. Right. And, and so, maybe he didn't know. Maybe he didn't. And at that time, I really don't think he did. I think it was a very delicate balance. Mm-hmm. And probably at that time, I'm sure they're going through the contract tracing and figuring yep. out that line of it, too. All right, we have this many positives, but who else? It wouldn't be able to play. And ultimately, the decision was made. So Dowling Catholic, back to the Unidome again. Indeed. Well, look, I uh, feel bad for the Valley kids. I feel bad for the city school kids that mm-hmm. had to, I mean, stop when, after week two, right? Right. They played two weeks, and then their season was, was shut down. Um, you don't get this back. No. And that's the worst part about it, right? It's not like you can have a red shirt right. and everybody can come back. Um, you, you can't, as, as everybody knows, and it's it's just it's a huge punch in the gut. I feel terrible for kids that are getting their uh, these opportunities take away in the in the senior year. There was a uh, a video I saw last week. I think it was from thirteen. I apologize. I saw it. it wasn't, where was it? Swenson addressing the, it was Channel after, thirteen after the game last week. Yep. After the victory against Urbandale, and he's talking about yep. being safe out there, Coach Swenson. That yep. That one was impactful too. Mm-hmm. But you just never know. No. And this is what we continue to find out. Should we be surprised? No, we nope. shouldn't. This is going to happen, and it happened at the state volleyball tournament this week. A team was not able to play. Oh, I remember that, yeah. And Twitter. We'll From see the eastern part of the state, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. And we'll see next week at the Dome. Is mm-hmm. the same thing going to happen? But with cases continuing to well, spike. Well, Trent, it was an all-time record yesterday, yeah. and not even close. I mean, over 4,500 in Iowa. Right. And it just it feels to me more and more... And maybe it's just because we're deeper. Of course, we knew Chris. But I didn't know a ton of people. And I'm hearing more and more. One of my best friends, his brother, is on a vent right now in Cedar Rapids. And it it feels like it's becoming closer. And I'm talking to more people that is, it's hitting at that same level. Where it, at least for me for a while, and yes, outside of Chris, it was just something happened to other people. Mm -hmm. 
And now it's happening more and more to more and more people that I know. And for every asymptomatic case or very mild case, they're the ones like my buddies oh, down the hall, Simon Conway. Yeah. And it continues to happen. And that's that's where we are. Yeah. Didn't go away on Wednesday. No, nope, it didn't. It's, it's not going to. It's not going to. It's uh, I mean, there's 113,000 in, in, in the in the country yesterday, and that broke the record set the day before. Anyways, be careful, folks. We're yeah. not preaching. We're just um, a public service, if nothing else. You know, over 4,500. So let's get back uh, to where we were. Uh, so Dowling moves on. Mm-hmm. Looks like Southeast Polk will move on. Will we see that in all likelihood next week? Will that be the... That's going to be tough. You know, we talked to Cody Goodwin with the Register earlier this week and, and how you're going to bracket, reseed these teams, if you will, when we get to the Dome. So we know Dowling is there. Southeast Polk is a huge favorite tonight against right. Cedar Rapids Kennedy. Kennedy already has three losses this year. They should roll there. Mm-hmm. So there's you got two. the unbeatens out east. Pleasant Valley, who yeah. is a surprising 9-0. Iowa City West, who a lot of people think maybe should be the number one team. Really? Yeah. Uh, their quarterback, Marcus Morgan. Remember the Morgan name from yeah. Iowa City West? Yeah. Uh, the youngest one, he's out there putting up huge numbers at the quarterback position. Really nice team there. But the winner of that, winner of two undefeateds, and then whoever comes out of the Ankeny Waukee matchup. If you're Southeast Polk, if you say they are the number one, who do you want to face? I you want to face Waukee right now. No, I don't know about Ankeny, man. I, I think Ankeny's the second best team in the state. With Bruce back in the lineup. Didn't they just, and they just won the volleyball yesterday, this day. Yeah. How about, and this is on the heels of winning basketball back in March. And playing for a championship in baseball. And the great point. I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. Quite a 2020 what, for Ankeny. Boy, I'll say. Hawks are uh, Hawks. putting things together. So you have all that. If you're Southeast Polk, undefeated Iowa City West, like I said, some uh-huh. people consider maybe the best team. We don't know a whole lot because Eastern Iowa's not as strong. Dowling Catholic, the seven-time defending <laughs> champion, or Ankeny, who I consider the second-best team. Who, if you got to pick it, who do you choose? Yeah. I'm just glad I don't have to pick, and I get to watch, and I will. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, they should be two good And you can hear team. it, too, both semifinals here on KXNO so, next Friday. So next Friday, if there's a 4.30, so, so Chris and Ross, by the sounds of things, are getting Friday off? Yeah, Is yeah. what you're saying? They're going to be in good shape on Friday, so they get a nice. three-day weekend, and myself, Joe Stacy, will be heading up to the Dome, calling both the semifinal games in Class 4A and then the championship game the following week. You and so Joe will do the play-by-play and you'll do the color in one and then reverse roles in the other. Exactly. Pretty cool. Yeah. Good. Uh, speaking of Joe Stacy, they've done a terrific job. Him, Lawful Holst, and the crew that mm-hmm. have been out there uh, on sidelines around Central Iowa on Friday nights. This will be their nat- last night of doing that. So, Which is usually as a former correspondent yeah, it's, 13 it's years ago. This is the worst Friday night <laughs> of the year. Oh, 70 degrees. No, I'm with you. It's it's unbelievable. It's shorts also. weather for the guys on the sidelines yeah, this week. I might not go that far, but it's, well, it's pretty always shorts nice. weather for me. Indeed, uh, good for them, and congratulations to that uh, that crew, that team that they put together because they're they're not making any money doing this. It's a tank of gas for the mm-hmm. most part. It, you're doing it for the love of high school football, uh, and because you want to be involved. Um, a lot of a lot of careers launched mm-hmm. in a lot of respects. AD, not not that it launched him. Ross Peterson was a correspondent for the longest time. Um, but good for them for, for doing that. And, and nice job out of Joe Stacy and Lawful Holes, Josh Lawful Holes, who've been anchoring here at the desk. So, uh, Packers, just real quick last night. Boy, that was an awful football game. It was not fun. I had it on and I wasn't watching. I just. I, I was watching just because it was football and it was Rodgers and he was having one of those nights. Um, you know, they kept talking about the the Packers. You know, they just, I don't know, they don't have a second wide receiver. Well, guys, do a little bit of homework because before, before Lazard got hurt, they thought that they had their second wide he receiver. He was trending that way. He seemed to be, right? And mm-hmm. you know what the most important part of that trend? He had 12's confidence. <laughs> 
And if Rodgers is confident, you know, you're going to have the footballs coming your way. Uh, but boy, that was a, it's a banged up San Francisco team. It's so hard to repeat or to get back. And the Niners, I mean, they lost Bosa in week two for crying out loud. Right. And there's a lot of people that say, if you could take one Bosa, I'll take Nick. Yeah, Joey's a nice consulate, and he's a great player, don't yeah, get yeah. me wrong, but Nick is apparently uh, of the two brothers, I don't know, but that's um, that's the consensus out there. So we've got two games in the state uh, t- taking place tomorrow. Uh, the Baylor-Iowa State game, that's a 6 o'clock kick. Of course, uh, Iowa will get things underway early with Sparty coming to town. Gary Barta said yesterday what we'd heard from Jeff Patrikas, that it looks as though we're going to have before the season's over, some fans back in Big Ten venues mm-hmm. didn't put a date on it, but it seems like it's coming. Um, I don't know importance. Well, look, Iowa State's playing for a chance to to just punch, not punch their ticket, but certainly control their own destiny in the Big 12. In the Big Ten, conversely, with Wisconsin on the knife's edge of not being able to qualify for the playoffs, somebody's going to win the Big Ten West, not named Wisconsin. In all likelihood, because it's going to be, I think, it's going to be a surprise if they play next week <laughs> against Michigan. So now you're trying to find that other team. Clearly, I mean, Purdue and, and Northwestern have the tiebreaker advantage at this point over the Hawks. Hawks don't have a lot of wiggle room. This is an important game for them, too. Got to get back on the right side of things yep. and get some positive vibes back. It has been an off season with the pandemic and then, of course, the racial disparity conversation throughout the summer. Just some positive vibes through there. You know, listening to the players on Wednesday, they weren't available on Tuesday because of the day off for the election. But you heard the same latitudes that you normally hear. It, it was Iowa football. But still, it has to linger, right? Yep. We're 0 2. Yep. The Purdue game, they're a better team. Northwestern, they let it slip away. You're up 17 0. Mm-hmm. And you let Northwestern, and you right. didn't do anything in the second half. Trent, again. 17 0. I thought they were going to blow them out. I'm not saying and got a field goal the rest of the that's way. That's just it, right? I thought you know you're going to this is going to win comfortably. Anyways, we got Jeff Hughes coming up. We'll talk. We'll switch gears do a little bit of Chicago Bears football. Trubisky, here's, uh, Trubisky apparently um, got he got hurt in the brief time that he was on the field against New Orleans. But one doctor said he needs surgery on his throwing shoulder. He got a second opinion, and he's not going to get the surgery. But what does that do? And uh, being a contact sport. If something happened to the incumbent starter Nick Foles, what's there? What's what's left? It, it seems like a tough spot for the Bears as they try to avoid three straight losses. Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog is going to give us a few minutes and help us out with this. Dave Sprout coming up, and Mitch Holt is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs as well. Jeff Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. Jeff Hughes, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing well. So the Trubisky news, um, I mean, seemingly was kept pretty quiet, right? Until the when did you hear it for the first time? Because I think I saw it Thursday that he got hurt, potent, uh, perhaps uh, in the game against New Orleans. I had no idea. Not saying that um, I should have, but w- what happened? When did when did this uh, kind of trickle out? So it was one play. They they called for him on Sunday. He ran sort of an off tackle run fell awkwardly on his shoulder. Uh, I reached out to somebody around the team on Monday to say, was that the plan for him, to run one play from shotgun? And I was sort of, someone beat around the bush a little bit, was telling me they think he got hurt. Um, it's, it's a similar injury to a similar uh, shoulder injury to what he had a few years back. It was serious. They didn't know the extent of it till midweek, and he's apparently not going to need surgery, but I, I'm pretty feel pretty certain to say, 
his time with the Bears is probably done. Wow. Just like that, it's over the Trubisky era. And I like the idea. It's a team with limitations offensively. Do something, get him involved. He's part of the roster. He's getting paid. Might as well try to do something with him and his athleticism. So what is it? Tyler Bray now will be the number 2 quarterback for the foreseeable future? As of right now, Tyler Bray is the backup quarterback this weekend. Now, Tyler Bray, there were some rumors of some COVID uh, contact mm. with him oh, in the last 24 hours or so. I just reached out before coming on with you guys. But right now, he's good to go. But who knows? This new COVID world of NFL rosters, you just wake up every morning and you, and yep. you hope that you're going to have a roster that could go out there and play. Uh, the Bears are, are being ravaged by it right now, but 13 NFL teams this week mm-hmm. had to close their facilities for, for a COVID outbreak among either staff or, or, or players. So, I mean, the, the NFL seems to just be on the tracks and driving forward, yep. and nothing is going to deter them. But we have to hope that these uh, COVID outbreaks remain minor. Because if someone ends up getting very sick on one of these rosters, I think it'll change things dramatically. It, it seems like they've look. They're still very stringent in their testing and in their protocols. But when it comes to postponing games for a day or two, it seems like maybe they've eh, loosened up a little bit. There, they're running out of weeks, and um, I, I think that's becoming apparent. So this week, it's the Bears and the Titans, Jeff. Boy, I look at this game and. Yes, t- Tennessee's defense isn't that good, but neither Chicago's offense. And that line is banged up a bunch. And Derrick Henry's still running the football for Tennessee. Help us out with this one. How do they avoid the Bears, I'm speaking of, losing three straight? I have no idea how to break down anything offensively for the Bears this week. They are without their starting left guard. They are without their starting center. They are without their starting right tackle. And they are without backups at right tackle and center and another guard. This is a... To call this a makeshift offensive line uh, is, is being generous. There are two or three guys playing this week. We have no idea if they're even professional caliber. Right. So this could be a game where the Bears, the Bears, when they had their starting offensive line, had games where they didn't score. There is, there is a chance that they won't be able to do anything on offense because they won't be able to block it. And you have to assume that Mike Rabel, uh, this week for the Titans, is going to throw as many exotic pressure packages at this group as he can because... These guys haven't seen it, and they haven't worked together, and they don't know how to pick up a stunt blitz. So I think it's going to be a long day, and and the fear I have right now is one of these guys misses an assignment. Somebody comes in and hits fold in the wrong way. This season can be over. Not not just this game. This season can be over because Tyler Bray's not going to win games for this team down the stretch. They are in a very tenuous spot right now. They have a weakness at a position that you cannot have a weakness at in this league. Uh, I would be very nervous about this game if I'm a if I'm a Bears fan. With that, all right, you get a phone call from Bill Lazor, the offensive coordinator, though he doesn't call the plays. Nagy wouldn't pick up the phone, but Lazor might. Says Jeff, I need some help here with this offensive line that I mean has huge question marks all over the place. You're missing three starters from the beginning of the year against a team that has not been able to generate a pass rush. What is your scheme? What are you doing schematically here? What's your game plan, Jeff Hughes? Help us out. Let's get some points on the board. Number one, I would have very few sets that did not have Anthony Miller, Darnell Mooney, and Allen Robinson on the field at the same Mm -hmm. time. You cannot keep playmakers on an offense like this on the sideline. I would spread this defense out. I would be spreading every defense out, and I'd be throwing quick outs, quick slants, Go to almost a college-style offense because you've got to take the pressure off the offensive line. The other thing is I would get David Montgomery out from behind 
the quarterback, move him into the slot, get him into some uh, coverages that are beneficial for the Bears. This team has had the wrong scheme week in and week out with their offense. They have talent at wide receiver. They have to get the ball in those guys' hands and make them the playmakers they are. So that's what I would do. I would spread out opponents moving forward, especially with this offensive line, and get the ball in their hands quickly. Then, if you start getting them on their heels with the, with the passing game, you may be able to find the run lanes. And then you can start keeping the ball more. But if they, can, if they continue to run this approach of first and ten, hand the ball up the middle, they are going to get... They are going to get toasted this week because there's no way this line will hold up on third and long. Mm. Well, both of these teams have lost two straight games. For the when you look at the Bears, Jeff, this is such an important. They, I, I don't think they want to drop this because it's going to be no picnic in uh, up in the Twin Cities on Monday night. Then the Packers, after they come out of their bye week on Sunday night football, Thanksgiving weekend, this could be a real turning point season wise. Do you see it like that, or do you, do you play by the week to week kind of thing? I do see it as a turning point game. If they win this game, they're six and three, mm-hmm. and they will be they will be treated a little differently by the media. They'll have a different swagger in that locker room, and I think they'll believe they're going to go to Minnesota and win that game. If they lose this game, it just will feel like things are imploding. Yeah. And I, I I really go back to what's happened to that offensive line. Uh, I just don't know if you can survive. Look at what's happened to Philly's offense. Look at what's happened to Dallas. When your offensive line falls apart because of injury, because of COVID, for whatever reason it is, it's just hard to move the ball. So it's a huge game for the Bears. But if they're going to win it, they're going to have to win it the way the 2018 Bears won, the way the 2005 Bears won, the way the 2001 Bears won. They're going to have to win it with defense. And they're going to have to put some points on the board with either defense or specials. Uh, we'll talk to you before that uh, Monday game. Hopefully your uh, schedule allows before the Vikings game next uh, a week from Monday. Thank you, Jeff Hughes. Have a wonderful weekend. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Good to uh, talk to you. The, the Bearsblog.com. Jeff Hughes, TheBearsBlog.com. It's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword HAPPY to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win 1000 bucks. HAPPY to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Hi, Dave Sproul on Iowa State. Men's Basketball Media Day was has come and gone. Of course, the Baylor game, and we'll uh, ask Dave's remembrances of a former colleague of his, KASI Rich Fellingham, who passed away, the former voice of Iowa State men's, men's, women's basketball, and the only person ever to do it prior uh, to his retirement. Uh, Dave Sproul next, Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. If you missed the keyword, one more time, it's happy for this hour, 10 o'clock hour, happy, 200, 200. Dave Sproul. 
Uh, covers Iowa State for KASI. A lot of ground to cover with Dave. Dave, Trent, and Ken, thank you, as always, for coming on. Uh, where I want to start, uh, Rich Fellingham, I know that uh, your colleague at KASI for a long time, but clearly known as the voice of Iowa State women's basketball. There was no one that did it before him. He had an incredible run. Uh, such a terrific voice, too, a distinct voice, which is something you want uh, in this business, and he certainly had one. Um, Rich Fellingham passed away. Just your thoughts. Yeah, uh, just a, a guy who was always super nice to me and then pretty much everybody he, he came into contact with. And you know, I had the chance to, to fill in for him on a couple occasions back in the day and work alongside him, too, on, on some broadcasts. And uh, it was uh, it was just a ton of fun to do it every chance I got. And last time I saw him, it was, it's going back a year ago now, I think, and he I was getting ready to start a, a broadcast for a game, and he's kinda, he had a tendency to like sneak up on people and, Tap him on the shoulder, and uh, he did that to me. And he was looking kind of frail, and he had a little—he had a cane to to help him walk. But I look up, I see uh, the look on his face, a little mischievous smile, and a twinkle in his eye, and uh, that uh, kind of summed up who he was for me. So that'll be my kind of lasting memory of Rich. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely, great ambassador for Iowa State and women's basketball, and that program that uh, Coach Fennelly built. I don't think some people maybe realize just how bad it was in the early days and what he was trying to rebuild and what he's built it to. Just incredible. And Rich, a big part of that being the voice of women's basketball. Well, speaking of basketball, we had media day yesterday. Before we get into the football against Baylor this week, let's jump right there. A team that, boy, there's some pieces that you can get excited about. How do they fit together? How is this team going to meld and have to do it probably pretty quickly here with a limited non-conference schedule overall and some December conference games in the Big 12? Yeah, that, that's the big question, and, and that still sounds like a work in progress based on what uh, Steve Prohm had to say yesterday, but it sounds like you know one thing they know fairly certain is that Regier Bolton is going to be the primary point guard. I don't think that's terribly surprising, but I think yesterday might have been the first time that Steve Prohm actually said that out loud. But mm-hmm. he also said that you could use Bolton at any of the – one through four guard positions, which if you know the phrase four guard is new to my vocabulary, but <laughs> yeah. kind of you know work it as a. I mean that's traditionally right. It's supposed to be a power forward like George Niang type position, but that's also been a position that, as Prone pointed out, has been occupied by guys like Deontay Burton and Taylor Horton Tucker. Bolton probably doesn't have that same ridiculous kind of athletic ability that those guys, but he can you know still even a smaller size in some ways create mismatch problems. Uh, in that regard. So it'll be interesting to see how much they use him in in that role and how much he's more the traditional point guard. And he sounds like from Bolton, too, he's kind of embracing that role and the leadership aspect that comes along with being a point guard because it's obviously like being the quarterback uh, for the football team. So uh, that that was one interesting part. And the other interesting part that stood out to me from yesterday is the the praise for Jalen Coleman lands, one of the, the mm. transfers who came in and a lot of talk about his energy and, and what he brings, you know, not only his, with his ability to shoot from the outside a bit, but also just uh, the the joy that he's bringing to the court. And Prome compared him to Nazmi True Long, who was a guy who was, who was very vocal, really loved the game, loved to play, but also could step up and help direct his teammates and, you know, maybe give a guy a kick in the butt if he needed a little bit on the court too. Uh, and so it sounds like Jalen Coleman lands kind of very similar in that aspect to Nazmi Long, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how he plays out because he brings a lot of experience, too, at a couple different programs uh, before coming to Iowa State, and he'll be a senior and a guy who uh, will be relied on to, to score a lot and lead a lot. 
Uh, Dave Sproul, KASI, 1430 on the AM dial. That's where Iowa State plays in Story County. Uh, Dave, um, was there anything scheduling-wise uh, from Prome yesterday? I, I saw uh, the Gary Barta apparently met with some uh, Hawkeye media and mentioned that they are determined and they believe that Cyhawk basketball is going to be played uh, sometime in December. That was the first that we'd heard that, you know, it's gone and we're still going forward. Uh, and it looks like they want to get it in. Anything from from Iowa State side of things on that game? Nothing recently, but I think a few weeks ago, Prom also met with the media and kind of hinted rather obviously at the, the idea that they wanted to play that Cyhawk game as well and were working on toward that goal. And uh, Fran McCaffrey has said that it's something, you know, he's, he's working on from his end too. So uh, odds are pretty good that's going to happen, which will be great considering we didn't get the, the, fo- the Cyhawk football right. game this year. And, there's not quite the le- same level of attention on, on basketball than on football, but it's still to get to get something out of a Cyhawk matchup and maybe, you know, get a wrestling uh, showdown, too. That engenders a lot of passion, of course. Uh, that would be great to see just for the state to see the two big schools go at it. So let's get into football with you, Dave, and Baylor coming to town. It's not the same Baylor team that played for a Big 12 championship a year ago, though Charlie Brewer's still there doesn't look like the same guy and doesn't have as much talent around him, certainly this season. What is concerning, though? When you look at this matchup here, anything jump out for you and say, boy, maybe this will be a game come the fourth quarter? Well, it, I think Brewer, first and foremost, I mean, mm-hmm. he is a really good quarterback. He just hasn't had the talent surrounding him that he had last year, obviously, and there were a lot of departures and the coaching staff chief among them. And Dave Aranda is still making that transition from Long-time coordinator, very respected in in that role as a defensive coordinator, but uh, you know, first-time head coach, and and of course they're trying to navigate through all the COVID issues that have kind of decimated their their team and their schedule, and they didn't get to play a non-conference game. They've had a lot of guys miss games and miss practice time because of COVID and and contact tracing, and you know, even if the guys are you know missing from contact tracing, well, that means it's less time for them on the practice field and opportunities to play that they don't get. So. Obviously, it's been a struggle for Baylor. It was a struggle last week for the first two, three quarters against uh, mm-hmm. TCU. And that's the biggest thing for or to watch out for with Baylor is that if they are you know, fully healthy, they can be a really competitive team and got everybody up to speed. But there's still that question about, you know, is everybody physically healthy first and foremost? Secondly, are they physically up in a place where you can really compete at a high level in the big 12 and maybe, you know, they could have a week where everything comes together for them and have a breakthrough performance and maybe give Iowa state a much closer game or even pull off an upset. Uh, but from what we've seen so far, what we can tell from, from Baylor so far is that they're just, they're not quite in the, at the same caliber as Iowa State. You know, Dave, I'm, I'm glad you went there because I kind of see it the same way. They, they, they blew out Kansas in their first game of the year. They didn't have that September 12th. It was, uh, I don't remember who they were supposed to play, but their first two. I think it was SMU. Um, Perhaps I don't. Sounds recall. right. I, I don't yeah. recall. Uh, re- but regardless, um, they get to Big Twelve play. They blow out Kansas. I watched the double overtime game against West Virginia. My takeaway in that game was West Virginia is not very good. Neither team is very good. But now I'm starting to think I was dead wrong on West Virginia. And they played them tough. Texas wasn't a blowout by any means, and that's Texas recent Texas. And then the TCU game. 
Um, yeah, they made it close at the end, but it wasn't like TCU blew them away. Point being is, they're not as good as Iowa State. But I don't think that this is a team, and I don't believe Campbell will take this team, or anybody will take them lightly. But don't be surprised if this is closer than maybe some think, including two touchdowns is where Vegas has it. Yeah, you know, Matt Campbell kind of caught my attention on Tuesday when he when he called uh, Baylor a championship team. Uh, and he talked about their talent being at a high level. And maybe that's true in the sense that talent, but performance is a, is a different issue. And we have, certainly haven't seen that level of performance from Baylor. Uh, but, you know, one of the reasons Matt Campbell does what he does is because he's got to keep his team's attention and say, you know, we might be big favorites, and this is the second week in a row. Iowa State's a big favorite, but this is the Big 12. You don't take anyone for granted. And the expectation for Matt Campbell, as we know, is not just it's not about winning necessarily. It's doing the little things that lead to winning, and one of those things is making sure you respect your opponent and you do the things you need to do to win and not take for granted that the opponent is going to just lay down and die for you. Dave Sproul, KSI Names. Dave, we will uh, recap it with you on uh, Monday. Appreciate you coming in and giving us a few minutes on this football game. Uh, and then Iowa State will be on their bye week, but you'll get Campbell's uh, teleconference. Likely nothing comes out of it, but you never know. <laughs> but we'll certainly recap the game with you on Monday at about 1130. Thank you, Dave Sproul. Appreciate it. Yep, thank you, guys. Good to talk to you, Dave Sproul, KSI in Ames, 1430 on the AM dial. Well, Mitch Holtis is scheduled to join us next. After all, he's the voice of the defending champs. Carolina, Kansas City. Another week, another double-digit favorite for Kansas City. 11 this week against the Panthers. Hey, they're in the early window, right? The yeah. noon window? Yep. Um, who else is in? Well, Minnesota's got to be in the early window. Yep, against the Lions at home yeah. for that one. Detroit in the early? I mean, Chicago in the early window? Probably. They are, yes. Uh, I'm looking at 506 Sports right now. Early, we will get on CBS, cross-divisional, or cross-conference, Detroit-Minnesota. Okay. Will be the CBS game. And Fox, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on. Well, Fox has the Chiefs because of Carolina, Kansas City. Do they take Carolina, Kansas oh, City, or Chicago, to. Tennessee? They, they uh, I th- you know what? I think they take Kansas City because they don't get the Chiefs every week. You nailed it. They've got this. So, so the Bears aren't on locally. The Bears are not on locally. You will not uh, be able to hear Dick Stockton and Greg Jennings on the local call. Thank God. You know what? Dick Stockton's one, of, and and he used to be really good, mm-hmm. but he's one of these guys that's just hanging around too long. So that's what we'll have locally. Direct TV and sports bars are uh, probably pleased that uh, yeah that. Well, I'm going to have to rely on you for a lot of it because my squad's in the early window. They this are, week. yeah. How they... much of the country's getting that vaunted matchup, Broncos Atlanta? Well, a huge portion because Denver and all the surrounding states will be getting that right. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Utah, Northern hey, go Nevada. To, go to Northern Idaho just for just. Um, yeah, yeah. Are, are the Vikings on in Northern Idaho? They it's my are son's team, not. and he lives up by the Canadian They'll border. get Baltimore, Indianapolis. Oh, that'll piss him off. <laughs> uh, 1045, Miller and Condon will be joined by Mitch Holters, the voice of those Kansas City Chiefs, next. As we take you until noon, Bama Bob starts our number two. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 107th. Number seventh. Condon, welcome back. About 10 minutes before the hour of 11. Papa John's throughout central Iowa. The Donaldson's group. 
They sponsor this portion of the program every Friday. The Well, not every. When the Chiefs have a bye, Mitch Holtis gets the week off. But when they play, he's with us, and today is no different. Mitch, Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Mitch Holtis, how are things? Well, um, hanging in there. I mean, with the uh, you know, activity of the last uh, 48 hours or so, uh, not only around the league, but in the with yep. the Chiefs, with the staff member testing positive, and you, you just unpins and needles with this uh, every day. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing kind of a around the league, you know, teams and uh, affected. I mean, we talked about it last week. We talked about it almost every week. But it's uh, really interesting. The Chiefs, there's just a lot of sacrifices being made by players and coaches and staff in the Chiefs uh, organization that people don't even realize. Seen away from families, just yep. trying to get the season in, and then. With a staff member testing positive, they had to, after practice, you know, clear out the facility yesterday. Mm, and Chris Jones moves to the COVID yep. list, so he's going to be out. So how long will he be out for, Mitch? Do you know protocol-wise with him? Well, that's a good question. Uh, not exactly sure. Not all cases are the same. Right. Uh, there is a template that I don't know if I can say and tell you what that would be for sure because yep. I don't know about his individual case. I don't know the details there, so I'm, I've got to give you a non-answer there, not because I'm trying to avoid you, it's just that I don't want to give you false information. Boy, it just feels like Kansas City is in such a good spot compared to the rest of the league. A veteran coach, yep. a system that people know, a very veteran team. That's something we talked about in the offseason. So many starters and just part of the two deep returning to this year's squad. It feels like in a season unlike any other, Kansas City advantage maybe grows compared to if this was a normal season, even coming off a Super Bowl win. Yeah, there's a lot of things in play here. Uh, I do a, a feature called The Minute with Mitch that's on Fox 17 tonight. They run it on Friday nights. And I kind of jump into that, even though I have a brief time, because I talk about the Chiefs now playing in three divisions. I alluded that to you guys yeah. last week. Like, yep. you're trying to win the division, you're trying to win the COVID division, and that might be the division, Trent, that wins the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in position. They have people overlook the coaching continuity they had going into this year and how big that has been not having a traditional offseason or any preseason, basically. And I think that's shown up. Um, and the fact that this team, talent-wise, they've avoided the brutal, serious injuries that they had last year at this time. I mean, they were they, they missed they missed 190 quarters of starters. Mm-hmm. People don't realize it. And they're sitting here at 7-1. and one. They're better than last year, Trent. They're better than yeah. last year. They're getting it done in special teams. They're number one in the giveaway takeaway. Uh, they've taken the ball away 14 times. That's best in the league. And when you have that with a high-powered offense, it's almost unbeatable. But you've got to you know, keep clicking along, and you can say, hey, we're doing great, and then whammo, some COVID deal hits, and it can throw the train off the track. The Patriots are probably done because of yeah. Well, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers, who the Chiefs will uh, see this weekend. Uh, they'll host this weekend. I, I love the Matt Rule hiring. I think it's going to turn out very well. I think he's one of those young, up-and-coming coaches. Look at all the stops that he's been. Uh, and he's uh, he's turned program. Well, the, the Baylor resurrection is is something that should be towards the top of any resume. His uh, That was remarkable what he did there. But they've lost three state, straight. It looks like McCaffrey's going to come back. Teddy Bridgewater is who he is. Uh, but what when you look at this game, what kind of worries you, if anything, about this three and five Panthers club uh, who will be at Arrowhead this week? There's a lot to worry about. Let me let me just check in with your rule statement. Uh, I think his Temple accomplishments might even trump his okay. Baylor accomplishments because Temple was, you know, they've they've just been awful forever. He beats Penn State when he was at <laughs> no, Temple it's... first time since 1941, uh, and 
then he also went 14-2 and two in the American Athletic Conference over a span of two years. That's mm-hmm. just unheard of at Temple. And now he's got five Temple guys on this Carolina team. Yeah. Uh, plus, Coach Reed's sons, uh, one coach with him and one played for him. So there's a tie-in here because when Coach Reed was in Philadelphia, Rule was a Temple. There's a lot of mutual mm-hmm. admiration. A lot, lot to be concerned about here, Ken, real quick. Offensively, they've got a lot of Chiefs scheme in them. Um, the way they use Curtis Samuel is the way the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill. You can't find him. He's a slot, he's X, running back. Uh, we know what Christian McCaffrey can do, the first 1,000, 1,000 guy, only three in the history of the league um, to get a 1,000 passing, 1,000 rushing in the same year to join Marshall Falk and Roger Craig. I mean, then, but DJ Moore, they got uh, Robbie Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the other side, it's interesting. This is your, one of your factoids of the day. They drafted every player in the draft on defense, every one. Hmm. First time since the AFL and NFL went together in 1967 to do their draft that a team has chosen every draft pick on one side of the ball. Now, if I had my way, I would pick just all the LSU guys. That would be my <laughs> draft. But um, uh, as it is, they've got a bunch of young, really good impact defenders. Uh, and you and I fans will remember Jeremy Chin. He's a Southern Illinois Saluki. He's Steve Atwater's nephew, and this guy's a stud now. There's a lot. That don't don't look at three and five with this team. You're, you're right. Your assessment. I totally agree with your assessment of the Carolina Panthers. Not only this year, but in the next five years. Mitch, uh, one quick one back to last week. It was the Jets. Jets don't have a win. It's not a good football team. But the fake punt early in the game. It, it wasn't a blowout at the time. It turned really didn't turn into a blowout until the second half. But in a game against the Jets, is that? Or just getting something on film for everybody else to have to prepare for the rest of the year? Or do they feel like they really needed that thing? There's a reason. And let's just go back. I know it's going to be painful for Hawkeye fans. And I'm, you know, I kind of root for Northwestern here. Mm-hmm. But Iowa could not put Northwestern away. Iowa had them down 14 to nothing. And it's like, okay, they need to run these guys out of the gym. And they could not. The Chiefs were trying to get rid of the Jets early so that the Jets didn't have any glimmer of hope. Think about this, Trent. At the time, the Jets had them stopped. Even though it was in Jet territory, they're thinking 7-3. to three, And the Jets are, you know, messing around enough to get field goals if they're at least staying in the game. That play crushed the Jets. Mm. Because now the Chiefs could get a touchdown, and now it's 14-3 to three instead of 7-6. to six. And then some weird thing happens, and now all of a sudden you're going, uh-oh, this could be the upset of all time. You want to wipe that out. If you get a chance to clean up a team uh, right out of the gate, you've got to do it. And uh, putting the hammer down, we say in the fourth quarter, but in this instance, they had to put the hammer down in the first quarter. I thought it was a brilliant move, and yes, get it on tape, but there was more to tactics here to uh, take the Jets out of the game. Uh, Mitch Holtis is with us. Papa John's in a moment. We'll tell you about that. So Panthers and then a bye week before you come out of the bye and go to Vegas and then to Tampa Bay. And clearly a lot of eyeballs will be on that one in the late window on Thanksgiving uh, weekend Sunday, uh, 325 here locally. But uh, bye week, Mitch, just on that. Is there anybody that the Chiefs are waiting on potentially to get back from an injury list? Uh, after, I mean, Chris Jones would be on that list, but for another reason. But how about injuries that they may get back after their buy? Is there anyone that uh, is not popping into my mind? Mitchell Schwartz. Oh, right tackle. right tackle, yeah. 134 straight starts. Last two he's missed. And uh, back injury, I don't know if you guys have had back trouble. I've had had back surgery. It's it's just a slow go, particularly for a tackle. It's getting leaned on and has to push and shove. So the biggest answer to your question would be Mitchell Schwartz. Although Mike Rammer, his former Carolina Panther, has done an admirable job filling in at right tackle. 
Uh, Schwartz has done the best job against Von Miller in his career. And I say that all the time, yes, and sir. I mean it. He's done a terrific job. Papa John's does a terrific yes, job, Mitch. Have. Tell us about it. Well, here we go. I mean, here we go. Another November football weekend. Uh, you know, Big Ten's up and running, so that's good. Big 12's been up and running. and, and uh, But here's the thing I appreciate about the Donalds. It's not only their philanthropy and what they do for things like GDRF and, and other philanthropies in Iowa, but they have been so COVID conscious. Like, they are very... It's just tough times, and one of the easiest things we can do is order pizza. Order out PapaJohns.com because they are super, 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 super careful in how they're making these pizzas. They deliver it to your door, hands never touch it, and you get to do it and can stay COVID-free. It's really uh, as free as you can, uh, but uh, they, they, it's been a priority from the Donald since, since, since day one. I like great pizza, great for Iowa but also very COVID conscious with the the folks at Papa John's. We will talk to you in a couple of weeks, Mitch Holtz. Enjoy the bye week. Thanks for doing this for us. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada, <laughs> my home and native land. Have a good week, but Mitch. <laughs> See you, buddy. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Mitch Holtz, voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. What's the number there? Double digits, you said? 11 last I saw. Uh, we'll talk to Bama Bob next, uh, and then we'll talk to Tom Cakert about the Hawks, and then we will give you four of our listeners an opportunity to win Claxons before we let you know who we're picking this weekend. Busy final hour of the week on the Miller & Condon program on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460, KXNO and 106.3 FM.